Hey, welcome to Hear God's Word. This is Michael. In this podcast, we study and dissect the Bible to better understand what it means and is trying to say. Whether we cover intense word studies or simple stories, there's so many layers and it's all important. So, if you want to hear what God has to say, then let's dive in. Hey everyone, welcome to this special podcast episode where we're going to be taking a step back from studying what the Bible is actually talking about, and this is going to be a distinct episode that is reviewing what we've went over so far in the creation story. So we're going to be talking about the real world implications, such as how all of the things at the beginning of our world actually play into the world that we see in our life. And we'll also talk about a few things that I've forgot to talk about and I missed that crossed my mind either later or I forgot to mention during. So the last thing that we'll go over is talking about what is going to be happening next because the very last topic we'll talk about actually will lead into the next part, which is Genesis 2-4, where we left off. So today we're going to be talking about Genesis 1-1 through 2-3 and recapping that. So in one sense, if we were to review what we've been talking about, since it's the creation story, when we talk about it being a story it's a narrative or a history, even I think better stated record or account of what happened at the beginning of time, passed down through the generations and inspired by God. So this is our origin story. And so the way that it all is summed up is that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, which if we had to condense that even more, basically the whole thing can be summed up with God created everything at the beginning of time. And so we can get into now the more specific details. And when we talk about God creating things at the beginning, I know we've talked a lot about the way in which God created, which isn't really the purpose. The reason is less about how God made things, and it does describe that. And it does go into all the times that it says God said, and then the things became. However, it's more so trying to describe that God created all of these things. And as you can tell by all the things we were reading, it was more so focused on talking about the things that actually did appear and become. And so 
we could talk all day again about the way that God made them come to be. Did he speak and the things appeared and came from nothing? Did he specifically use laws of nature and did he even with the whole universe itself use existing properties and laws of nature such as gravity, anti-gravity, energy, and all of these forces that are theorized. And like I've mentioned several times, it's less about the methods that God made things and the fact that the story is trying to tell us that God is the one creating these specific things that we do see. And so many questions can arise up, and I know we've talked about a lot of things, but one of the things that I wanted to talk about is after we have Genesis 1-1, it's like the headline statement just talking about what this whole first section is going to be about. And in a way, it tells the whole story in and of itself, but then it talks about that statement in more detail that God created the heavens and the earth. But there's a few things to look at, and one of them, after the creation, you see God creating everything, and then all of a sudden, you have God hovering over the waters. And we talked about that in how the waters might not actually mean water, because it also talks about the deep and the emptiness. And so we talked about the possibility that it could just be talking about the water and the deep as essentially this deep, empty nothingness, kind of like an abyss, in a sense, or the the deep. When we talk about the ocean, we talk about the depths of the ocean or the depths of space. We talk about empty space in that there's not really anything out there. And of course, that gets into the topic that we were just talking about, how there's even still forces that are even present within even what we consider empty space just because there's things beyond the site that we have and we can measure all of these sorts of things. And so it's a beautiful and wonderful thing. And all of these things in the end are trying to point to and creation itself essentially is evidence pointing to that there was someone who did put these things into motion and that was God. He was the one that at the beginning made all these things begin. And so although we could talk all day about 
the creation itself and how God initially made things? Was there the Big Bang or was there God making things appear from nothing? Did he use some other sort of methods? We didn't really talk about one of the things I wanted to get to today, which is called the gap theory. And it actually has a couple different versions and implications. So one of the things that I wanted to talk about that we didn't mention is specifically relating to that and the days, but then we'll also talk about how it also has implications for even things like a potential multiverse or many universes, because if God did create things and then we have basically nothing in the second verse, it could possibly indicate that there was another world or several before, or maybe an infinite amount of other universes or worlds that God did create. And I don't personally subscribe to this, but I know that there's plenty of theories out there. And in one sense, um, if it is true, then God at least is responsible at minimum for this universe. And I'm pretty sure that if he is of this universe, he most likely is of all. And this just gets into gray area that the Bible isn't even trying to talk about. And I think that this kind of stuff is fair to ask, but it's also not really warranted in one sense, because if the gap theory is true, we have to look at, is that what the Bible is actually trying to talk about? And so this is where we can also, you know, talk about reality, like, because if there actually are other universes and God is the God of the world, then he is in control of everything, no matter what that would entail. And another aspect is that when it talks about in the beginning or when things began, essentially it at very minimum, if not absolutely, is talking about the beginning of our worlds and everything that has ever existed. And so the second part of the gap theory that I'll talk about is how God could have created things in the beginning, and then there could have even just been in one universe stuff that happened, but then stuff happened in between that, and then God essentially recreated the world after. And I know there's so many religions that have different stories and speculations. And again, the Bible doesn't go into those things. So we should be focusing on what it is trying to tell us. And even though I've said this many times, 
this is what good reading is. We don't read a biography of someone's life and then say, oh, this is inadequate. Uh, I need more details about the person's life or like these uh, these things don't answer what I want. Sometimes we have to take the information that is trying to be conveyed to us, and it's perfectly good and fine, and I think God wants us to ask questions, otherwise we wouldn't have any sort of science or testing, and we wouldn't have inquiring and questioning and any sort of critical thought to things. And that helps us to learn and grow. And God obviously wants those things for us. However, at the same time, we have actually a record of the beginning. And even though it's not what almost all of us would like to have, especially in this day and age with all the questions that we have, at the same time, we at least do have the story that's been handed down from the beginning and inspired by God. And that's something that we will just have to be thankful for and say, this is good enough. I'm content. You can still continue asking questions. However, there has to come a point where we at least try to take what it is saying and stop throwing out the stuff that it is trying to say, overlooking it to put our questions and concerns over and on top of it and questioning every little thing that it's not trying to say. And so I think that this is an overall good view of how to read any book in general, and especially something that is being communicated by God himself and passed down to people. So with that, there is one other aspect of the gap theory that I want to talk about, and that is how a lot of people when talking about the age of the earth, some say it's billions, some say it's thousands, but yet there's also the hybrid theories that talk about how when we get into the days, you know, we have six days of God making things and then the seventh is rest and God finishing things. So. The middle point of these two things is essentially that God either spent thousands or millions or even a billion or so years on each of the days because if you took the six days and then you got to humans at the very end, that's kind of what we see in the ages of the world. We actually have the same sequence that we know in science, like we've essentially confirmed the truth of the Bible in that light was the first thing that appeared, basically energy and time 
and all of these things were the first things to come about. We have the actual materials of the world. We even have time because the first day passes, but even though there's no sun and moon, maybe that's their way of explaining that sort of concept where we didn't even talk about this, but we know that things had to have a beginning, and so time would have had to start at some point. And most people talk about how God is timeless, and so he wouldn't have had any problems or restrictions on being before time existed. And so that gets into a lot of trippy stuff, and uh, that's all more so on like theoretical theology side of things. However, at the same time, like the fact is God does exist. However, he does exist in timelessness. And even if that is the case, then it's beyond what we understand, at least at this point, I believe one day we may be able to. And even when we meet God face to face one day, if we do, then I'm sure those questions might and could and probably will be answered. But until then, we're left with just speculating some things about how God already was and his nature. And we also have left to speculate also about the way that he made all the things that we've come to know. Just like one of the verses in the Bible states, it talks about how one day is like a thousand years in God's eyes and vice versa as well. But all that to say that essentially a day is nothing to God. Like he could take one day and expand that, but also a thousand years is like a day or a split second to God. He has the patience and timelessness to where time isn't really an obstacle. So I think we covered a lot of things that we didn't talk about in the other episodes, but I just wanted to tie some of those concepts that we're talking about at the beginning together, how God is the one who is creating the world and whatever way that he's making things, he, whether it's from nothing or whether he's using pre-existing sort of forces, he is creating all of these things and conventions such as time and timekeeping. He's creating also the structure of energy and matter and forming it into something that's going to be inhabitable because he continues to work things out. He doesn't just leave the light and the waters, but he continues to separate and give an atmosphere so that people can breathe 
and so that there's space. And he also then continues to make land so that there can be different kinds of creatures and ones that can breathe the air, but also ones that can fill the sea. And he creates both fish and sea life, as well as birds, as well as all the land animals and everything in between. And then at the very end, he makes people and they're made special and specific in his image. And so we're going to get into a very special aspect that is going to tie actually back to the second verse with it talking about God's spirit hovering and moving over things. Like it's essentially God's breath or it's that quality of something that we can't see. So obviously no one was there observing and watching God's spirit moving at the beginning, but at the same time, it's basically a statement about how God was there in his spirit, like the force of him, like the aspect. And even like we've talked about, somehow even God's nature and the force that he uses is considered a person in and of himself. And so God with his spirit is actually creating all of these things. And just like when we have movement and we put something into motion, we make things happen. And so here God's spirit, the breath, the thing that can't be seen, but is still acting, like God, his spirit is moving over all of the things in the world and he created it to be what it is and obviously we've built upon that and god said you know take and manage the world he obviously wanted us to build and procreate and all of these great things so then that actually leads into the next topic I was going to talk about, which is when it talks about God creating males and females, it says, and he created them male and female. So the question is, is did God create a male and female? Is that the them that it's talking about? Or were there multiple males and females? Did he create many and spread them all throughout the earth? Or did he put them in one spot? Or going back to the first thing I mentioned, was it just one couple, both a male and a female? Because technically that's a them in and of itself. So that actually leads to what we're going to be talking about starting in Genesis 2-4 on to the end of the chapter. It's going to talk about 
the man and the woman and how God created a man, which you can technically even translate a human, but then he takes a rib from the human and creates a woman. So you essentially could see it either way. We can take a look at history. A lot of things point to how there was only one common ancestor and how everything traces back to one male and female. And even science is beginning to, even in the secular arts and sciences, come to this conclusion. And so, is it possible? Obviously, yes, and it would obviously make sense. At the same time, we can also go into later, and we will talk about, well, how did the earth get populated so fast? And we can ask a lot of questions, but I at least wanted to bring up the point that maybe God did create males and females, many of them at the beginning, and this could also lead back into that gap theory. Did God create a bunch of males and females? And there was a different story that happened with them, but it never got recorded because if you come from that viewpoint, either God scrapped the project or it just didn't work out or there was a whole nother story and it ended the way God wanted it to and then there was in the next iteration uh, another story, the one that we know of starting in chapter 2, verse 4. But honestly, I don't think this is the case. I think it would be a little strange if there was one story about creation that essentially nothing was known about, and then it still got recorded anyways. Like, was there someone left over from that civilization or world to pass it down to our current world? Like, it just gets into weird kind of stuff, but the world is weird, and we don't have all the answers. And in a sense, I'm leading into how in chapter 2, verse 4, which we're going to start in, it's going to basically rehash the creation story, not starting with the very beginning and all the details again, but it's going to tell it in a different sort of way, focusing more on the actual sort of plants and garden and the very first people. So that's going to be the focus of this next iteration. And so obviously that also is going to bring up the question. We'll talk about it when we start the next episode on 2 verse 4 and on. It goes over what almost seems like a second account. And so... We'll tackle that when we come to it. So the last thing that I wanted to talk about is when 
it talks about God resting on the seventh day. And I think that we covered a lot of good things, and that's going to be a theme. Basically, the Sabbath or rest is going to be something that comes up over and over that God wants for people and specifically his people. But I wanted to also touch on, I guess, a cliffhanger speculation. Even people wonder this nowadays, but some people wonder, okay, so after the seventh day, basically is the whole rest of the story kind of like continuing the seventh day? Like, is there, does it talk about the eighth day starting at any point? And the answer is no. However, at the same time, it seems obvious that things are going beyond those initial days of creation. So there's a lot of people, especially for age-keeping purposes, that they basically view it as in we're still on the age of the seventh day, especially if you subscribe to the gap theory and believe that essentially the ages are very long periods of time. Technically, after God created people on the seventh day, since we've only been around for several thousand years, honestly, it could still be the seventh day technically. But I think that because the Bible doesn't address this, honestly, it's not really that big of a theological issue, no matter which way you sit on this stance. So with that, I will wrap up by saying one last thing, and it's a piece of advice that I've learned, especially on the book of Genesis, and that is that especially in the book of Genesis, for the most part, it's not really a theological text. So many times we try to sit down after reading a quote from the Bible or a whole chapter, a few of them, and we ask ourselves, how does this apply to me? And we've actually spent some time talking about how the implications of the creation of the world has on us. Obviously, we wouldn't even have a world if it wasn't for God making it. So there are implications we can take away. However, we can't break down every verse and say, how does this personally apply to me? Because sometimes when it says God created the heavens and the earth, like it's literally just making a statement that God created the heavens and the earth. It's not trying to teach you how to live your life. And so many times we try to find hidden meanings that do not exist and are not there, and we make stuff up about things that God wants us to do or think. And it's not trying to tell you what to do or what to think all the time. Obviously, there are many parts of the Bible where this does happen, but for the most part, Genesis is a story, and it's both the story of ancient history 
and origins and then once we get to around chapter 12 it's going to transition into more so long paced stories going over the lives of specific people like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and all of these people. It just spends a lot of time talking about their everyday life. It's not necessarily trying to teach a theological lesson. So I think this is good for me to say up front that don't try to take some huge Bible lesson on what God wants you to do from everything we talk about but do take the relevant points and things that can be learned from it. And sometimes there are huge implications for what is talked about, and we can learn the lessons of the people who have gone before, made mistakes, or even done things right and set precedences. And we can learn from people who have connected with God in the past. Like, if God created everything and people have actually communicated with him and they're passing it down. Like how valuable is that for us? Like that's one of the most valuable things we could possibly learn. And so like how do we connect with God? How did the people at the beginning of time do it, especially since they didn't have the Bible itself in the text? So yeah, these are all um, really important and cool things to think about, and I believe that it will help you as you study the Bible. Bible studying isn't personal application only. It's literally about studying what the Bible is trying to say. So with that, I just want to also mention that... There's lots of resources that I've linked in the podcast notes, and I want to do especially emphasize this in a bonus episode so that I'm not taking away and advertising other sort of resources. You can find them in basically every episode. I'm occasionally or often linking some very good resources, and I especially suggest that you check out the Systematic Theology resource that I'm leaving in the link below because it does a really good job going over all the different theories when it comes to theology and the creation. So with that, Thanks so much for joining the podcast, and we'll start back up in Genesis 2-4. Hey, I'm so glad you guys could join for today's podcast. I hope things click for you and that you're better able to understand God's word. Jesus said, whoever has ears, let them hear. So keep listening to what God has to say, and I'll see you guys next time. God bless.